As we come now before the very word of God, would you turn to the book of Hosea? Uh, this is a first time for us here in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. If you're using a pew Bible, the bulletin gives you a page number there that's uh, handy. And before we read, would you, would you please pray with me? Lord God, would you help us now to come before your word with the reverence that you deserve? Would you help us to see these things as holy, set aside so that we would know you for your glory and our good? We know that humility comes before honor. So Lord, would you humble us by these things? Cause us to see you, to know you, and to believe in you. We ask this by your spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is the book of Hosea in chapter 1. I want to take up this morning just the first verse. How on earth preachers can talk so long about such a small space is beyond me, but let's see. So this is Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, King of Israel. This is the word of God. Now, real quick, don't shut your Bible and tuck it away. If you are reading either on some electronic device or, or in a Bible, don't get rid of it just yet. I know this is only one verse, but we have a few more places to go to help put some skin on this. Today we're beginning our journey, however long it might be before us, through the book of Hosea. And Hosea is part of what we call the minor prophets. There are a number of prophets in the Old Testament, but only 12 we call the minor prophets. They're called minor, not because they're less important, uh, nor is it because they're part of some sort of minority group in some way. They're called minor just because they're shorter. They last less time to read through. So compared to, you know, the book of Isaiah, if you've read, that's 66 chapters to get through Isaiah. That'd be a much longer sermon series. Uh, Jer Jeremiah has 52. So in comparison, Hosea's, you know, minor. Uh, even though it's minor, it's not small by any means. There's still 14 chapters here. Uh, so it's not tiny. There's lots of important things here that God would have for us. But before we even get to all of that, I thought it was important for us to just take up this one verse at the beginning. This isn't the way we'll do it every Sunday. If we did one verse uh, uh, Sunday, this would take forever. Once we get going, uh, we'll go at a pretty good clip. But we have to s start small here just to get our bearings the reason for that is because today in Hosea, our focus will not be as much on the content of the book as it is on the context 
of the book. That is, what on earth is happening here before I can even begin to read it? And that's generally a good approach when we come to any part of the Bible. We need to remember that when we come to the Word of God, we are guests here. Even a Christian, we are guests here. We're welcome guests. We're invited guests, but we're still guests. We know God's Word is light and life for every Christian, no matter what century we live in, but, but we are not directly part of these writings. We're not in the events as they occur. So we should not skip over the fact that these things happen to somebody else. God, as we read this, is interacting with real people in real places and real time in history, so we need to do a bit of work in order to listen and hear what's happening to them. Because if we don't do that, we're going to miss what Hosea is telling us. We are guests in their home. We know some people, it's it's too common, it causes me pain. Some people treat the Bible like their own personal picket-fenced backyard. That as I can dip into it however I want. I can snip off a few roses off of the bush, plop them in a nice little vase on the porch, and call it good. There's a place for favorite verses, of course. I have a few of my own. But that's not a good way to read the Bible. It's not our own backyard. The reality of the scripture, we we are more like Dorothy Gale, You know, we ended up in this big tornado and our house just kind of plops down in Oz. We are in a foreign land here. So it would be silly for Dorothy to walk out of her house and wander around like she was still in Kansas. This is different for us and we need to let our eyes and our minds adjust to the place where we are. So our goal today is to see the context here of Hosea. A bit of a heads up, if you're looking for three points, not today. Maybe next week, we'll see. Not today. These are not a nice, tidy little sermon. This is more like following a yellow brick road. Okay, we've got a bit of a journey ahead of us, but I'd encourage you, stay the course with me. Okay, there's some history pieces, but this takes us to some important places. It's the word of God after all, and we want to honor him, and that is enough to to make it worth hearing. But this is also good for us. So stay the course. Now, that was a lot of lead up. Let's get into the text. Let's look at this first verse here. If you just give it a brush through, there's a lot of people mentioned in a really small space. That's how Hosea starts out. The main person mentioned is this guy, Hosea, son of Beery. He's the prophet. He's the one that we're going to be hearing from in the rest of the book. But in addition to him, there's also five other people named. And they're all kings, kings of two different nations. There's, in the nation of Judah, we've got Uzziah, Jotham, 
uh, Ahaz and Hezekiah. And in the nation of Israel, we've got just one king named Jeroboam. So if you look at those names and, and you go, I have no idea who those guys are, that's okay. Uh, if you don't immediately recognize them, you don't have to be a scholar or even familiar with the Bible at all to recognize something about this situation. If there are four kings mentioned over, over the same nation, this is probably going to span quite a long time. So if we've got four kings, just imagine if it were in the United States, four presidents. To be able to speak over the course of four presidents would be at least a decade, if not much more. So these words of Hosea are not just one single speech that he gives once and, and puts on TikTok or, or YouTube or whatever their version of that is. This is a series of his words over the course of time that took most of Hosea's life. If we were to do a little bit of background study here, which is the sort of things that I do, we would look at the history of the kings here. We're, we're in the 8th century B.C., and in order to be able to touch the reign of all of these kings, Hosea's ministry had to last at least 37 years. Minimum. Likely much more than that. This is his life. So we know that the yellow brick road, for him at least, is long. Now, that said, the question is, how does it start? If the road of the yellow brick road ahead of us is very long, what was his first step onto it? That is, what, what triggers Hosea's involvement here in this situation? If we look at the, the larger list of kings, the list of the four kings of Judah, the first guy's name is Uzziah, which, by the way, sometimes this guy goes by another name in the Bible, Azariah. I know that's confusing, but sometimes people go by multiple names. Mark Twain, Sam Clements, you know, same guy. But Uzziah, Azariah, same guy. Now, if this starts with the reign of King Uzziah or Azariah, what can we know about this guy? Where else would we look in the Bible to learn about kings except in the book of Kings? Clever. Uh, let's look then. Take a look back with me. If you're the kind of person that's reading along, if you're just listening, that's fine. Back to 2 Kings in chapter 15. If we're going to get a feel for where we are in Oz, we need to, to get a grip on some of these things. 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 1. Here we go. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, that's the same guy as Uzziah, same guy, two different names, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 16 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mama's name, mother's, I should say what the text says. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, 
The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places, and the Lord touched the king so that he was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house. And Jotham, the king's son, was over the household governing governing the people of the land and the rest of the acts of Azariah. And all he did, aren't they written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Azariah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. There we go. So that's what we know about this guy, Uzziah. First thing that I notice about this is this guy had a 52-year reign. And out of those 52 years, I could cover the summary here with one hand. There's, you know, just a few sentences mentioned about his whole life. Can you imagine that? Your whole life's work condensed into just a handful of bullet points. I shivered to think what things I would be known for. At any rate, Uzziah, the summary of the author here of his whole life is that Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was one of the very few good kings of Israel, and yet, even though Uzziah did what was right, he still had two problems. Did you notice them? One of the main problems is the high places are not removed. That is, the high places are these alternative spaces of worship that the people had set up to worship God. The Lord had forbidden them to do that, but they did it anyway. So they set up these places where they could bring in these convenient offerings. And this was a sinful thing against God. And so this was an ongoing problem for the kings before Uzziah and after Uzziah. So sadly, this was a thorn in in the nation's flesh that was common for them. But the second problem of Uzziah's reign was not common, entirely unique to him. In verse 5, Uzziah was a leper. That is, he contracted some sort of serious, likely even contagious skin disease. And even more than just contracting it, the text says it came from the Lord. My Bible translated that the Lord Lord touched the king with it. Some are a little more uh, spicy with the language. Some translations say the Lord struck him with it or smote. If you use the really old language, he was smitten with leprosy by God. And this was one of the few things that King Uzziah was known for. Why? How did this happen? The text here just says he was a leper to the day of his death, had to be in a different house, and then kind of moves on. The author here does not give us the reason, but it mentions at the end that there are more things about King Uzziah written in Chronicles. So let's chase it down. The book of Chronicles follows the line of the kings, but just the Judah kings, so there's a little more detail there. Let's see if we can find out more of this leper situation. If you're still hanging on, hang on a little little more. This pays off. Turn to the right in your Bible to 2 Chronicles in chapter 
Where is it? Chapter 26. Here I am. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. This will be the last major place we'll go, then we'll unroll all of this. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. If you look here, the whole chapter is about Uzziah. There's a whole bunch of prelude before, but the leper situation begins in verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary. You've done wrong. It will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now that's a lot to digest. Let me attempt a summary here. When the people bring offerings to the Lord, the people themselves do not offer them, but rather the priests do. And within the temple, they offer various things, bread, blood, incense. All of these things, no matter what the offering was to be made only by the priest, the law was clear and serious about this. According to the law of God, anyone aside from a priest who even enters the temple was to be put to death. And so here comes Uzziah, who's a king but not a priest, and he traipses into the temple to offer his own incense anyway. You know, that's either crazy or, or gutsy or just plain ignorant or maybe some combination of all those things. At any rate, here's the king inside the temple where he is not supposed to be at the risk of his own life. And this whole pack of priests come chasing him in. 80 guys, it says, come in to stop him. We've got to get this guy out of the sanctuary. And so the king and now this pack of priests are about to have a war of words, maybe even a war of fists. We don't know. But before that can happen, the priests looking at the king see it. On his head, they see something. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but this sudden outbreak of leprosy right here. And we don't know what what Uzziah saw, but he's now looking at their faces 
which I imagine are terrified at this spontaneous disease that, is, that has come. So, so they immediately try to rush him out of the temple. It says he wants to go out of the temple, so I don't know. They're scooping him. I don't know what this looked like. Not just to get him out for the king's sake, but also because this is defiling the temple of the Lord. And once the king gets outside, the situation doesn't get better. The leprosy is still there. The situation on his forehead remains and continues to remain. He never recovers. And as a result, the king himself has to move out of his own house. It was part of God's law that lepers were unclean. So they had to be excluded from contact with other people and they had to live alone. And so the text tells us that he lived in a separate house until he died. You can see how strange that would be that the king of the entire nation had to live in isolation. This is why this was worth noting in the short summary of his reign. Now, these are the circumstances into which the prophet Hosea is called. That's where we are now. When we open the door and look at Oz, that's what we're seeing. We're guests in this home. So even though we now, the ones that I'm looking at, you and me, even though we don't live in these times, there is very much here that still affects us. How? What is this whole situation of a prophet and priests and a king mean for us? Two things, at least, this means for us. I'll mention the two and then we'll be done. Two things, a caution and a comfort. Let's do the bad news first. The caution. We see in the chronicle section that in general, Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of God. And there were lots of good things around him. His borders of the kingdom were secured in his days. In his days, the army was made large. The land was prosperous. The fame of the nation was widespread as the kingdom of Judah became known for their power and strength. All of this is good. It's a blessing from God even. But Uzziah's downfall, the thing that resulted in his leprosy and isolation from everyone else, began when he allowed these good things to go to rot in his heart. Did you notice the pivot point in the text? It's easy to gloss over, but in the Chronicle section, 26, verse 16, this is what we hear. But when he was strong, he grew proud. 
to his destruction. There's a lot in that tiny section. When he grew strong, he grew proud to his destruction. His strength produced in him pride and arrogance and brashness. Actually, literally, this Hebrew word for growing proud is his heart was high. His heart was lifted up. So if I can paraphrase what he's experiencing, Uzziah got too big for his britches. And I don't mean for that to sound playful, because it's not. This is the sin of pride. And it's a deadly problem. The leprosy, in fact, was a mercy. King Uzziah ought to be killed here for what happened. This is a problem now, this issue of pride in the heart of a heart lifted up was an issue not just for the king. It became characteristic of the entire nation. That's why Hosea is sent. He talks about it toward the end of his uh, prophetic words in Hosea chapter 13, verse, uh, verse 6. Listen. When they had grazed, they became full they were filled and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. Their heart was lifted up. So they forgot the Lord. This is a caution now to us. Because this sounds too eerily familiar. You know, whatever we might say about the place of faith in God in the United States, you know, America was never, you know, a nation of God in the same way Israel was. That's never the case. But there's still some unsettling par parallels between us and them. You know, we're a nation whose borders are secured whose army is large, whose land is prosperous, whose fame is widespread and known for our power and strength. And perhaps all of that may be good, but, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Or they were filled and their hearts were lifted up and they forgot me. Is that true of us? Could this be our future, or is it even our present? Happy Fourth of July, right? No, I don't. I I I don't mean to rain on our parade, or you know, to snuff out all our fireworks. There, there's an appropriate place for celebrating the goodness of such things. You know, it's not sin to be glad or grateful to God for, for freedoms he gives, for fruitfulness he gives, for, you know, safeties that he gives. But, but, listen, it is sin 
to let those things make our hearts be high and lifted up. That we would have prideful hearts that would lead us to forget God and do as we please. Christian, listen. Do not let this happen to you. Pray that the Lord would keep you from such deadly pride, but instead that he would keep you humble, thankful, and surrendered to whatever he would give by any means possible. That's the caution. But this is not only a caution to us. There's a comfort here. Let me mention this, and then we'll be done. The book of Hosea is not about us. It's also not about King Uzziah or King Jotham or any other king. It's not about the people of Israel. It's not about the people of Judah. It's not even about Hosea, at least not mainly. This book is mainly about God. It's a book about God. It is his word given to us. That's why the very first words in the book begin this way. The word of the Lord that came. The Lord came to them. To a people who grew proud, whose hearts had become high, who had forgotten God, who assumed things and did as they wished, yet the Lord still came. God had not forgotten them or left them or abandoned them or even smitten them as a people. But instead, he sent a messenger. So here comes Hosea, now sent to call the people back to God so that they would not be separated from the house of the Lord. We begin to see just the very edge of God's mercy here the edge of the depth of mercy that will eventually come in, in, in Jesus, the Son of God, who has come to save all people who come to him from sin, and the, the mercy of the Holy Spirit who would shape us in holiness and humbleness from the inside out. But here, at least, we see the message of the Lord through the prophet Hosea, which will unfold in the coming weeks. The main message is this, of a faithful God to an unfaithful people. This is our God, too, a faithful God to an unfaithful people. And his word here comes to us sometimes sharply, sometimes tenderly, but always faithfully. Our God's always true to his word, so let's turn from our own pride and return to the Lord who has come to us. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, would you have mercy on us and keep us from the temptation to pride that is in our own hearts. Bring us to repentance when we do that we would be humbled before you so that Lord, above all, we would never, never forget you
Would you make us now faithful to you because you have been faithful to us first? That we would love you because you have loved us. Lord, we lay ourselves out before you and we do give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.